Welcome to Imperfect Momming. Our children are constantly looking to us for examples. The term role model doesn't quite cut it here. We are shaping their worldview with every move we make. You see, it's not in the lectures we give or moments where we are actively attempting to teach them. It's in the micro movements we make, the unconscious ways in which we navigate life. We are constantly teaching our children how to show up for themselves, their friends, their future partners, and even their future children. So what can we do to ensure we are raising thoughtful, compassionate, self-aware human beings? We have to become them ourselves. No one is perfect, but we can still all be better, and it starts with self-healing. Let's get to it. Welcome back to Imperfect Momming, and we have a very special guest today, Taylor Irby. Welcome back to, or welcome to Imperfect Momming. Thank you so much. It's good to be here. And tell us a little bit about who you are and what you do. Yeah, so I am a mom of five kids. My oldest is 16 and my youngest is six, and I'm married to Josh of 18 years. We uh, live in the Atlanta area, but we used to live in Sarajevo, Bosnia, which is located in Eastern Europe. We were there for 11 years. So what brought brought you over there and what brought you back? (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, so um, we worked with a nonprofit serving students and their families. We did um, college and then we worked with high schoolers towards the end. I also worked as a life coach, uh, coaching high schoolers, and then also people who were who were like me, expats living overseas and trying to kind of navigate life. And then we came back in 2020, when the pandemic hit. <laughs> pandemic hit, and uh, in three days we were on a plane because our youngest child has severe asthma, and we needed to be closer to specialists in Atlanta. So we made the really rough decision to give each of our children a suitcase and say, take what you want. And we're leaving in three days, which was the most difficult decision ever. Uh, We came back to Atlanta and I started my coaching practice where I coach families and and, uh, moms. And I do life coaching and parent coaching. I also offer debriefs for for people who have served overseas and uh, need to kind of transition back to the States. Yeah, there's, um, there's not a lot of support for, um, for transitioning out of the military is there. Yeah, (laughs) there's not actually didn't serve at the military. We were with a nonprofit, but I feel like, you know, a lot of these things are the same because you've entered a whole different culture and, you know, trying to come back and transition to normal life. It's, it can be quite jarring. Um, and so I walk with people through grief and loss, through transitions, through sources of stress, understanding how to manage and, and, um, you know, relegate their, their emotions and, and stress, uh, and just kind of like process what just happened and, and then what's next. Yeah. Yeah. And it's, you know, we've all experienced so much grief and loss in the last well, we're approaching three years now, aren't we? Yes. Yes. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So you are needed, my friends. <laughs> <laughs> I'm I'm available and it's my honor and my joy to work with people. So what are um what are some of the biggest struggles that that you run across in inside your coaching practice? Mm, are you talking about with parents when they come or people yeah. who come well, for coaching? 
Pick, pick one. You mentioned a lot. <laughs> yeah. Okay. Well, since we're doing mom support coach, I can talk about moms. Uh, you know, it's, I think there's a big struggle, first of all, with shame, the shame that we carry, the shame that has come through, uh, you know, things that were said to us or things that were done to us or things that we perceive that maybe weren't even said or done to us, but, you know, maybe somebody said something and we received something different and we started to believe lies about ourselves, but some place in our childhood or, or teenagerhood, and then, or we've had some sort of expectation for ourselves you know, we made some sort of vow. I will always, or I will never. And the always and the never statements are so extreme that, mm-hmm. you know, we're bound to do those things, especially if we've made some sort of oath or vow. And so we come into parenthood with this expectation that yeah. we're making it up a certain way. We're not going to, or we are going to do this. And um, when reality hits and we realize, oh goodness, I'm actually doing it now. Um, you know, there can be a lot of, I think that's where mom guilt comes in and mom rage is this this sense of carrying shame. And so that's where I always start is what's going on inside of you when Mm. you've encountered your child and people don't never want to start there. You usually want to say, no, what, what do I do? Give me something practical to change the behavior. And I said, I I want to, and we will, but we're first going to start with what is going on inside of your heart when you have, you know, encountered this discipline issue. Yeah. So good because, and you know, it's interesting that this topic comes up because I had just, I've talked a lot about mom guilt Mm -hmm. and the, the topic of mom shame just kind of showed up and where I had processed some guilt, but I hadn't really processed the shame yeah. And it's, we think of shame as someone else projecting their disapproval onto us, but you know, I'm, so I'm a surrogate. This is a perfect example of, of it, it is all inside. It's all what you believe. Um, I, so I'm, I'm a surrogate and a friend of mine told me that her mother-in-law doesn't approve of me being a surrogate. And it's like, that's nice. Good for you. I love being a surrogate. Like that's my, you can have your beliefs about it not being in alignment with what you think is, you know, what a good Christian does. Or I think that was what her argument was, but it, that that's not my definition of what a good Christian does. And so there's, there was no feeling of shame that I've been a surrogate three times or four times now. And so if it doesn't live inside of you, no one else can shame you. Right. Our parents kind of start with the shame on you, which is a phrase that I don't think any parent should ever say. Um, let's avoid, let's remove that from our that phrase, from right? our parenting vocabulary. <laughs> but if it doesn't exist, like besides your parents saying shame on you, like that's probably the first time. But if someone said shame on me, if sh- this woman said shame on me for being a surrogate, I'd be like, 
thank you for your opinion. Mm-hmm. Yeah, but I think shame can shame can you know hide in different ways, and shame can sh- uh, dress in shiny clothing. We don't always recognize it, and sometimes we pride ourselves on our shame. We pride ourselves on the things that you know we want to be better people. We want to you know, be more refined or whatever. And so we will invest our time and our resources and things and and, and lies that we believe about ourselves mm-hmm. um, because we want to be better. Yeah. And so that's why Instagram is so successful. That's why Pinterest is so successful because people want to improve, but then they get hooked in on that thing. You know, and so what I taught, what I taught with parents about, and this is covered more in, extensively in my colleague, Lynn Jackson's um, online course called Grace and Truth for Moms mm-hmm. through Connected Families. It's amazing. Um, but, you know, you can think about, you know, if I could, if I say a state, if I believe a statement about myself, that is not true, but I've believed it, you know, I really need to sit with that and kind of deconstruct it. So maybe, you know, the one that she gives and I, I really resonated with when I first heard was. I'm an angry mom and I'm raising an angry child. And when this child gets to be a teenager, it's going to be terrible. Okay. And so I've just stated something that I've been believing for years. Maybe my child experiences really big emotions and yells a lot and kind of sets all of us off kilter. You know, I can keep saying that. And that might be true. She's angry and I'm angry, but we got to look back at the why. Well, instead of us being angry, how about I replace that word with intensity? Mm. I'm an intense mom raising an intense child. And we butt heads a lot, but at the end of the day, we really love each other. We're going to work. We're going to work this thing out, you know? And so being able to reframe, once we can reframe those lies, you know, one of the other lies uh, that that I see parents believe frequently, and I believed about myself as well, and still sometimes fall into this trap is, you know, I'm the parent, I should be respected, gosh darn it. <laughs> you know, like, why aren't yeah. they obeying me? Okay. And so the truth of that, maybe would be, you know, true respect is earned. Mm-hmm. It is not just given. And so what am I doing? How am I parenting what in wisdom? to gain my children's respect over time. Because mm-hmm. if I'm not being a respectful person to them, if I am not, you know, being wise, but I'm just sort of like demanding, then I don't think I probably deserve respect in that moment. We've been taught that you respect your parents no matter what, but if your parents aren't being respectful, like right. well, what reason is there to be respected back? Yeah. You know, and, and so please yeah. The concept to me it, that comes up a lot is like we have to teach them mm-hmm. what it is to respect or what yeah. is deserving of respect. We have to teach them how to respond when you're feeling a big emotion. We have to yeah. teach them, you know, I mean, I have, we had this conversation on another podcast where we actually have to teach them how to leave a voicemail. We have to teach them how to, what's appropriate way to talk to their peers versus an appropriate way to talk to an adult. Like they're brand new humans that don't have, that have at least 
most of the time 20 less years of experience than we do and they like we need to we were taught in either through action or through discussion most of the time how we behave and so we have to then turn around and do that for our children and I think that so many parents maybe even younger parents don't realize that they had been taught and so they just expect the kid to learn a certain way or they weren't taught they just learned through observation this is how we behave social norms but then like you know what happens when we didn't teach our kids maybe or maybe our child like I have a child with behavioral challenges because of his special needs and so what happens when, you know, we've forgotten to taught, teach our kids a certain manner that's, you know, and living overseas, it wasn't the manner to say, yes, ma'am, no, ma'am. But then I come back to the South and all of a sudden, if you don't say yes, ma'am, no, ma'am, you could get in trouble depending on who you're talking to. Right. And so, you know, maybe I, maybe I forgot to teach them that. Well, then when my child is around and I, that behavior comes out or my little, my little kid that, that has real problem with behavior because of his developmental issues, you know, am I going to sit here and roll my eyes like in shame? Like, Oh gosh, I'm, I'm so embarrassed. And so then I try to like play it off as if it's the kid's pro the kid's problem. And so I look at the other adult room and go, you know, am I, am I acting that way? Cause that's producing shame. It's both receiving shame my child has done something that I feel ashamed about and it's something about my parenting. So I want to make sure that this other adult knows so they don't shame me. And in turn, I'm shaming my child. Mm-hmm. Or am I going to say, yeah, oh yeah, look at him. Yep. And I deal with him and say, we're working on it. He's getting there. He's come a long way. Yeah. We got a long way to go, but he's getting there. You know, do I, do I let it and, uh, and, and marinate or do I you know speak the truth in that and I think also Brene is it Brene Brown no Ann Voskamp Ann Voskamp talks about shame shame dies when stories are told in safe places and so being able to share that out loud you know I'm feeling really insecure right now guys about you know this that or the other and I just want I wanted y'all to know if it's a safe place to share that because once that's known like all of a sudden I don't feel as insecure anymore can you say that quote again? I think I, I, that landed so hard and mm. I think people need to hear it again. Say it, say it one more time. Yeah. I think I'm pretty sure it's Ann Voskamp and the quote is shame dies when stories are told in safe spaces or safe places. Yeah. yeah. So if you, if you, you don't want to, you don't want to share it with everybody, but if you're in a place and you're, and you feel pretty safe around these people, you can share with them what's going on inside of you. I'm feeling very anxious right now about this. Mm-hmm. Or I'm feeling really insecure right now in this group of people. I don't really know what to do about that. Mm-hmm. You know, you've got people that will, that will listen to you and help you grow and be stronger. Yeah. Yeah. And it's, it's so true. I, we had, um, we were going to the snow this weekend and tomorrow I'm two weeks postpartum from a C-section, 
which is my first C-section. And when the trip was announced that we were going, my boyfriend said, oh, it didn't ever occur to me that you wouldn't go. And I'm like, okay, so 10 days after your knee surgery, were you going to the snow? <laughs> you know, like I just, and I'm not that, I'm not a cr- confrontive kind of person. And so I didn't say that, but that was my first thought. And I actually burst into tears because hello hormones. <laughs> um, but I had this massive internal conflict because there's I had some guilt over like all the things that I wasn't able to do over the last 10 months because I was in a high-risk pregnancy and how much I was looking forward to being not pregnant anymore and going back to like not just life as usual but going into more activity where I realized that I have a very active child and he wants me to be active with him. And I want to be active with him in a way that I didn't always experience as a kid. And so I have this like conflict of this new person I'm wanting to be and understanding that I also need to heal. So there was a lot of, like, I did a lot of soul searching because I'm like, am I just going because I feel guilty? Am I just going because they want me to? Like I had, I was digging real deep because I'm like, I'm the guilt, I'm the mom guilt queen over here. Like I have to get to a point where I'm not going just because I feel selfish staying home. Yeah, because there's not a single person, at least that's had a C-section that would call me selfish for staying home. Yeah. You know, my sister-in-law commented on Facebook when I did, because we did end up going (laughs) and it was a lot of fun and all the things that I was worried about didn't happen. So that's another little lesson that I learned, but she put, I posted a picture of us. We were all sitting in the truck getting warm from being out in the snow. And my sister-in-law said, girl, what are you doing? Go home and be in bed, you know? Mm-hmm. And I'm like, I'm just sitting. I'm, I could sit at home or I could sit and sit in the snow. Like I was in the truck or I was sitting on one of our inflatables and, you know, and it was, and we ended up having a lot of fun and I didn't go because I felt guilty. I actually went because I wanted, I wanted to go. Yeah, it took some time to get to the place where I wanted to go, (laughs) but I got to the place where I wanted to go. And this is just one of those situations where I'm, I'm in a position where I'm glad I've done this work where I understand that I was having a values conflict. I was having a priorities conflict. I was having some guilt and I had to process it through, you know, talking to my boyfriend talking to my son talking to some friends talking to people who've gone through what I've gone what I went through and 
calming some of the fears that had come up and and all that kind of fun stuff. Yeah. Glad I did instead of wishing I had. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and like that that's kind of a boundaries topic of understanding our boundaries and our limits. Kind of like where I start and where where I stop and someone else begins. Um and you know like honoring our boundaries is the best thing we can do. It's always in the best interest of everybody involved. Mm-hmm. Many years ago, I had a friend ask me if I could babysit her two young children. Um, and it was just going to be for an hour. And if I were to accept that job, it was you know free. It wasn't a job. But you know if I were to have her, her kids over, then it would save her about four hours of time of driving kids to a parent, her parents' house and back and then to her parents' house and back. And I was the only option left. And it was the next day. I had two very small children at the time and we were preparing to move overseas. So we were repainting our house ourselves mm-hmm. and yeah. everything was kind of in disarray. And on one hand, I wanted to say yes so badly because I knew the stress that was putting on my friend. I knew that it was going to put her out significantly and use a lot of her time. On the other hand, I knew that if I were to say yes, I would overrun myself. I'd probably be sick. And I probably yell at her kids and mine (laughs) and do more damage than just saying, no, I can't, Um, you know, and I really struggled with that. No, but looking back and seeing, you know, every time we honor our boundaries, we are respecting everybody involved. Mm -hmm. Being really being selective on what we say yes to, what we say no to and, you know, if if I could have said yes, I would have, you know, and I could have said yes. Right. But it would have been. So, um, just trying to honor those. And that's what you did. You honored your boundaries. You go, okay, do I really want to do this? Um, why am I saying yes? Is this the wise choice? And then at the end saying yes, but within that knowing when you needed to stop and rest and honor your body as well. Yeah. Yeah. There was, I was very clear on what my issues of going were. And there was, you know, the one issue was I didn't want to be cold because I had experienced, I got into bed. We have a very cold house. Our heater is, this is an old house. The heater doesn't touch the bedroom. And uh, this problem I'm, I'm anticipating getting fixed soon when they replace the roof and then somebody will go on to the roof and say, oh, this is the problem with your heater. Um, <laughs> so I got into bed and it, the, the sheet was cold and I was shivering and I'm like, this is the worst pain that I've experienced because who knew that when you shiver, your abdominal muscles mm-hmm. are being activated. I didn't, I didn't have any clue that that's what would happen, that that's what happened until you're not supposed to activate your abdominal muscles. Um, so being cold was a big fear. I also don't, didn't want to sit in the car and be like isolated and bored and wasting gas because the heater's on the whole time. Um, and I think those were my issues is I didn't want to be alone. I didn't want to be bored and I didn't want to be cold. And so the 
all of those issues ended up being resolved because number one, I dressed warmly enough. I I never felt cold the whole time and I didn't sit in the truck the whole time. And so I was warm enough. And in fact, I had to roll the window down because the truck was so warm, even with the car off. Like the only time I had to have the car on was when um, there, I needed the, uh, the adapter to work because I'm also pumping. So I needed electricity. Um, but when that, or when one of the kids was in the car trying to warm up also. Um, and it was actually a lot of fun going outside and sitting on one of the floaties and, and getting to talk with, with friends and, and strangers and watching the kids go down the hill. Like there was, there was no part of it that, that was, that was boring or isolating or, you know, feeling alone or uh, excluded. And, you know, and, and it created a memory with my son that he will remember forever. Yeah. Although disappointed that I didn't take pictures and I'm like, well, we took video. (laughs) I didn't take my phone out of the car. Like there was, there was no point. It was right. There was no signal. Um, and the only pictures I took up took were of the dogs. Uh, (laughs) But it's, you know, that like my higher priority was, was my, my son feeling loved and feeling supported and and if I can do that without sacrificing my body my healing then I was happy to do that right and but with these when it was unknowns like it was interesting that it just went into straight straight into fear of I'm going to be in pain or I'm going to be alone (laughs) and bored. I knew there wasn't going to be any service where we were. And I was like, I, I use my service <laughs> I yeah. use my phone a lot for entertainment. Right. <laughs> anyway, um, no, this is a good conversation about the, you know, shame and all kinds of boundaries and all kinds of goodies. Mm, yeah. Good stuff. Is there a piece of advice that you want to uh, share with moms listening? Yeah. So I would say if you've never done the work of learning what your boundaries are, or just learning about boundaries, highly recommend diving in. You want as soon as possible. So they become part of your life. Mm. You're not things that you don't want to say yes to. And you're not, you know, offering yourself when your limits are max, maybe you want to do something, but you you know, and you need to understand that Um, the book boundaries by Townsend is excellent. Mm -hmm. Highly recommend that book in particular when learning about boundaries. Mm -hmm. Um, And I mentioned earlier, uh, well, just, just writing out your, 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 your lies you believe about yourself and the truth that, that correlates with those that, um, that can really set you free a lot of things. So um, that course is uh, Lynn Jackson of Connect Families. If you just go to connectedfamilies.org and search 
Grace and Truth for Moms, you'll find it there. Excellent course. Um, but the more that you can kind of start to, mm, we call it every taking every thought captive. So saying something and you realizing, oh, that's kind of negative. That's a lie. That's probably not true. So, you know, write it down and then spend some time by yourself to try to work that out into something that you can believe that is helpful and beneficial because what we believe is what's going to end up influencing our actions Absolutely. and our feelings. So being able to kind of rewire that as soon as possible and get those on the right track would be very helpful. I'm glad you mentioned the course because I'm I'm like trying to think, I'm going through my personal development journey in my head and I'm like, could I have pinpointed the lies that I believed about myself without someone helping? Yeah, and I know that I, I could. I don't think I could. And um, you know, I mean, without like, I'll actually drop the... Um, the link into the chat if you want to check it out but um it's it's an excellent course and you know lynn is 70 years old and that's one reason i just love being around her because she has so much wisdom and among adult children and um, she really really made this really difficult journey through believing the truth over the lies and i think that's so key yeah because there i there was an analogy that um, someone used one time about <clears throat> like old records. So hopefully my listeners aren't too young to know what a record is, <laughs> but with, with records, they can get warped. And yeah. when they get warped, they don't sound the same. They don't sound normal. Right. Mm -hmm. So they don't, they, they sound, they sound warped. So when it's our record, I heard this in a book, I'm sure. I don't know which one, um, but when it's, when it's our record, that's warped, it sounds normal to us. Right. Because we've been listening to it warped. Like, have you ever heard a song that's, you know, on an, on an album, on a, on a seat, on an actual album, and then heard that same song in concert? They don't sound alike. They sound similar, but they don't sound identical. Like you can hear the differences where they change it in the live concert. That's those changes are our our warped beliefs. But when you have like have a coach or go through a program that points out that kind of thing, like we can hear where where the record is warped yeah. and that's what the that's a huge benefit of of having a coach and because we can't see our own blind spots if we right. could they wouldn't be our blind spots yeah and just to have someone who can provide that support encouragement and accountability on the way along the way so we need somebody that will you know come alongside us and yeah help us see those warps but then also like tools to help straighten it out yeah. and you know accountability to make sure that we follow through mm -hmm. absolutely now you mentioned boundaries was there another book um or was that the book that you wanted to recommend for our readers yes. that's in this conversation that book is a great one and that course those are some great i think some great next steps based on this conversation yeah and i i remember i've i read boundaries um i have it in my library I can clearly see the pencil 
line mm -hmm. on the cover. Um, I don't remember anything about it, but I know that I have the book and I'm pretty sure that I read it. Yep. Um, it's funny how, yeah. Yeah, another great one. I mean, if you just speak more books, Changes That Heal by Henry Cloud is excellent as well. And it talks a little bit about boundaries in there as well, but then just other things you can do to heal. Perfect. And where can our listeners find you? Yeah. So online at taylorirbycoaching.com. And then you can, I'm on Instagram and Facebook at taylorirbycoaching. And just, I'd love to connect. If you want to follow me there, send a message, uh, check out what I've got. I got some resources on my webpage you can look at. Um, yeah. Well, thank you so much for being here and pouring into our uh, listeners and, and for a great conversation and um, yeah. Yes. Great. Thanks, Alicia. I appreciate it. You're welcome. So we'll have another episode of Imperfect Momming uh, for you next week. And until then, keep healing. Bye guys. Thank you. Bye. Thank you for tuning in to Imperfect Momming. It's time for us to step up and realize that our power is not in trying to shape our children. Our power lies in shaping ourselves into the people we want our children to model themselves after. Don't just do it for your kids. Do it for yourself. When you become a more self-aware, compassionate, and confident person, you and everyone around you benefit. For more information about me and my work, visit alishalyons.com. That's A-L-Y-S-I-A. L-Y-O-N-S dot com. See you next time.